0: Enjoy All right, hello everybody. Welcome, glad that you're here. Want to say a special hello to all those who are joining us online as well. Uh, A few years ago, I was in the market for a car and I'm doing this national search and I I located a car and it was at this dealership in Illinois. Immediately I I called the dealership and they lined me up with a sales rep who actually ended up being uh, one of the sales managers. And so we started to negotiate on the phone and uh, we couldn't come to an agreement. And so we started to negotiate by text. And as we started to negotiate, there was a large gap between where, where he thought, where he was and where I, where I was. And so we're texting back and forth and this is going on for about two weeks. And, and every time we text, it's shrinking, it's shrinking and shrinking. But I had locked into a price where I, I wasn't gonna go above that. And so after about two weeks, I say, listen, this is the price, this is what I'm willing to pay. And he says, okay, you know what? you have a deal for that price, come and get your car. And so I hop in my car and I do the 90 minute drive to this dealership in Illinois, you know, patting myself on the back for winning the negotiations, you know, and so I get to the dealership, uh, meet the guy and he takes me out to where the car is, uh, looking at the car and looks fine and all that stuff. I said, okay, write it up for that price. And he goes, yeah, no, we're not gonna write it up for that price. And I go, you know, what do you mean you're not gonna write it up for that price? Yeah, no, that's not gonna happen. And so I take out my phone and I show him his text that says, you have a deal for this price. And he says, yeah, that doesn't really matter. Now, eventually, I left the dealership without my new car after almost turning into the Incredible Hulk. And unfortunately, I had experienced something that was all too common in car dealerships. I was ambushed. Now today, we are starting a very short series, it's going to be two weeks, that we are calling Ambush. And uh, what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is we're going to look at this idea of, of ambush, uh, but we're going to look at it from a very different perspective. You see, we all know what an ambush is. You know, this is something someone does to us, but the different perspective that we're going to talk about is that this is actually something we do to ourselves and we don't even know it. And the person that's gonna help give us this different perspective of this idea of ambush is a guy named King Solomon. He, he wrote uh, most of the book of Proverbs, which we're gonna look at a passage in the book of Proverbs throughout this series. And if you don't know who King Solomon is, he's actually the son of King David. And uh, the book of Proverbs, if you've never read it, you should read it. It's actually just a book of wise sayings. And so here's the passage that's going to drive our series for the next two weeks. Here's what Solomon writes. He said, if a bird sees a trap being set, it knows to stay away. And we're like, well, we hope the bird knows that. But these people, they set an ambush for themselves. He says, they are trying to get themselves killed. Now, Solomon, who would try to get themselves killed? He says, such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. And then he uses this phrase, it's pretty fascinating. Those who are greedy for money, it robs them of life. Literally, those who are greedy for money, it slowly chokes the life out of them. Now, I, I think for all of us, it's, it's kind of obvious, and I don't think anyone would intentionally set an ambush for themselves. But what Solomon says here is so challenging for us, because he says, those who are greedy for money, they are the ones who set an ambush for themselves. And the reason why this is so challenging is because most people, I think almost all people, they, they don't think they're greedy they don't see this idea of greed in themselves. I mean, they're just completely blind to it. In fact, if I, I said, hey, I want everybody to raise their hand who struggles with greed, I would bet that nobody would raise their hand. In all my years as a pastor, which has been about 20 or so, uh, only one time has someone, someone talked to me and said, you know what, I think I struggle with this idea of greed. In the New Testament, uh, both Jesus and Paul use this very interesting word for greed. It's actually a compound Greek word. And here's what the Greek word is. It means wanting more-ishness. Isn't that great? Wanting more-ishness. I mean, I see that and I go, man, I just love that. I mean, have you ever wanted more-ishness? I mean, I, I have. Now here, here's something I, I, that, that's gonna blow the mind for blow your mind for some of you. Did you know that there was actually a time in history where people would buy things and then they would use them until they got broken. I know some of you are like, what? Why would you do that? I mean, why wouldn't you get something new? Or I mean, why would you do all that? And here's another thing that might blow some of your mind. Did you know that there was a time in history that, that when things broke, that people actually tried to fix them so they could continue to use them? I know some of you are like, what was this? When did this ever happen? You know, uh, Last year, uh, I actually I had an iPhone 8 and my iPhone 8 was having what I call calendar issues. I would try to enter things in my calendar and then uh, it would just freeze and then it would freeze up the whole phone and so I'd have to do a reboot and do the whole thing and all that stuff. Now, let me just be really honest with you. I didn't try real hard to find out what the real problem was. And the reason why I didn't is because I really wanted a new phone, iPhone, because I had an iPhone 8. And then what made it even harder for me is the rest of my family didn't really want me to figure out what the problem is because we're all on the same phone plan. And so they all had iPhone 8s and so they figured if I get an upgrade, then they're gonna get an upgrade too. There is something inside all of us that says I need new, even though I don't really need the new. It's like, well, I I need a new car. Well, why? Because they have air conditioning seats now, if you can believe that. It's like, well, I need new furniture. Well, why do you need new furniture? Because my furniture is eight years old. Well, does it still work? Yeah, but it's eight years old. When uh, my wife and I lived in California, and we lived in California before we moved here, we had bought a a hundred or a, a 1,400 square foot house, and uh, it's all we could afford in California at that time. And so we had two kids, and we, had just, we just had the twins and stuff. And let me just say this, 1,400 square feet, I mean, it was fine. I mean, you know, no big deal and all that stuff. Well, then we move here, and we get a 2,000 square foot house for half the price. And so we move in, we're like, oh man, we're in a mansion. I mean, we are living in luxury, we have so much space. I mean, we, we can live here the rest of our lives. Well, so we're there for a couple weeks in this neighborhood, and we're talking to this neighbor that's, that's moving, and this wasn't the only conversation we had this, but this is, uh, th- this is the first one we had. And our, our one neighbor is moving, and I'm like, you know, is it because we moved in and all stuff? No, no, not because you guys moved in. Uh, it's, it's just because uh, we have a 2,000 square foot house, and uh, we only have two kids and we don't have enough room. I'm like, what do you mean you don't have enough room? They're like, yeah, we don't have enough room. We, we, we're, we, bought, we just bought a 3,000-square-foot house. And we're like, what? And see, what we don't realize is that a big part of our life is the pursuit of stuff. And Solomon says, you just need to realize in that pursuit, you are actually ambushing yourself, and you don't even know it. So today what I wanna do is I wanna talk about one of the remedies for this ambush. And what's great about this remedy is this, I've never talked to anyone who doesn't want to experience this remedy in in their life. But the problem is we do the wrong things to experience it. And so here's the remedy that we're gonna talk about. The remedy is this, contentment. And contentment, if you just, what does contentment mean? It just means completely satisfied. It's like saying, I'm good. Here's the interesting thing about contentment. When we think of contentment, we think that contentment is this place we get, get to in the future. And it's like, okay, if I just get that, or I buy that, or I get that promotion, all right, then I'm content. But here's the thing, that's not what contentment is. You see, what, what contentment is, is, is this. Contentment is, this, is a learned attitude, I'm gonna come back in a minute, that we embrace not sometime down the road, but it starts with embracing it in the present. It starts with embracing it in today. Now, contentment is actually a learned attitude, which this is what makes it so challenging. I can't say, okay, everybody, I want you to leave here now, be content, message over, let's pray. You see, it's a learned attitude. And so if we're gonna get there, here's what we have to do. We have to be willing to dig below the surface to figure out what is that ugly thing inside of all of us that constantly wants more ishness And so before we can experience contentment, we have got to be willing to go there. And I'm going to warn you, it's not really fun up front, but if we're going to learn it and we're going to experience it, we first have to diagnose the problem. So the question we need to ask is, well, what drives our greed? Here it is. Discontentment, discontentment. Now, not all discontentment is bad. There's actually a good discontentment that motivates people to make the world a better place. I mean, personally speaking, okay, this is just me, all right? And I'm not putting myself on a pedestal on this, okay? So please don't hear me on that. But personally speaking, I I firmly believe that the local church and God working through the local church is the, the only solution just for all the brokenness and pain and division and junk in our world. And I mean, I just, I just believe that that's it. And so this is why we're, we're not shy about challenging to take next steps in your faith journey, and we're not shy about taking risks to launch new campuses and to create a network of churches. But that's good contentment. Bad contentment is this whole thing that's connected to our stuff that Solomon says, if you're not careful, you can be ambushed by this. Let me ask you this, what do you need to have enough. What do you need where you go, you know what, I'm good, I'm good. Don't need any more. There's been tons of studies of this throughout the years. I mean, a lot of them. And so thousands of people have been asked this in the studies, and here's here's the interesting thing. Do you know that the answer is pretty much the same no matter the income level? And do you know what the answer is? It's always, a little bit more. And this makes complete sense because greed and discontentment are are actually unsatisfiable appetites. I mean, just like our stomach, the more we feed it, the more the appetite grows. And so here's what happens. We get to this place where we go, I want this, I want this, and then we get what we want. And that's good for about a day. And then it's like, okay, um, now I need something else. And you know this. Because how many of you have gotten to this place where you've said something like this, this is my forever house. And then three years later, it's like, yeah, that house looks a lot better over there. I think I want that house instead. How many of you had said, I'm gonna drive this car into the ground. I mean, I love this car. And then it's a year later and the new car smell is gone, you know, and there's chips in the paint and then the new model comes out. And it's like, hey, I think I want that instead. How many of you, at one point in your life, you said, if I ever make this amount of money, I mean, I will be completely content if I make this amount of money. And then you made that amount of money, in fact, you even more than that, and you're still not content. You see, it's this unsatisfiable appetite. This thing can never be quenched. So, if greed is driven by discontentment, Well, then the logical question to ask is, well, where does that discontentment in our life come from? I mean, what's the root of that? One word, and we know this one word too well. Here's where it comes from, comparison. Here's what I have, and you compare it with what someone else has, and that awareness drives discontentment. Uh, Years ago, there was this fascinating case study that was done uh, on this company, and this company built a manufacturing uh, facility in this very remote part of Central America, and this, this place was so remote that people lived in huts, they hardly had anything, and so they, they hired all these workers, and they paid them to us what would be very, very little, but to them, it was a, a whole lot. And so these workers, they, they worked for this company for a week, and then they paid them uh, after a week, and then the next day, something happened. Every single worker quit. And why did they quit? Because they had earned more money than they ever had made in their life. So now this company had a worker's crisis. They were like, well, what do we do, you know, because we need these workers and all that stuff. And so a leader on the team came up with this idea. He sent, he mailed shopping catalogs to every worker's home. And within one week, every worker came back to work again. And do you know why that is? because the workers began to compare themselves with, the, began to see what other people have, they became aware of what other people have, and they began to compare that with what they currently have, and this drew, this fueled some discontentment in them that they didn't realize they even had. Now we hear that, and that sounds kind of dishonest, doesn't it? I mean, who would do something like that, you know? I mean, can you imagine, I mean, think about this, can you imagine living in a world where businesses knew what we didn't have And and they started to think what what we think that they should have. And so they intentionally started to target us so that we would buy things that we didn't even know that we need. Can you imagine living in a world like that? And can you imagine living in a world where after we buy these things, that ads to similar things start getting sent to our social media accounts. And we even, we're on these websites and we buy things and all of a sudden this thing pops up that says products, people who bought this product, also bought this product as well. I mean, can you imagine living in a world where that happens? How appalling is that? You see, what we don't realize is the more that we're aware of what other people have, the more that that fuels discontentment in us. Now, let me tell you why that is. And most of us, we don't realize why this is. And that's because comparison, it always creates insecurities in us. And I want you to maybe kind of, as I talk about this, maybe think about a time where you've really experienced this and you know that this is true because it's like they have something that I don't And right when you begin to go there, there's kind of this feeling in your gut, you know, that you feel. And it's like, okay, they have something that I don't. And, you know, that's why their marriage is better off than than, than my marriage. And that's why their family is happier than my family's because they have a remodeled kitchen, you know, and I don't have a remodeled kitchen, you know. And uh, that's why he always seems happy because he he has a 2022 model and I only have a 2019 model. And they're kids. I mean, their kids are so much better behaved than our kids because they get to go to Disneyland every year for vacation, and we don't get to go to Disneyland. We'd be so much better off if we did. You see, that comparison just creates insecurity in in us. Where does that insecurity come from? The root of that insecurity is born from a false identity. You see, our greed, Our wanting more-ishness is really an identity issue. You see, we have bought into a huge lie. And if you were here last week, we touched on it a little bit, but here's the lie we bought into. Who you are is determined by what you have and what you look like, rather than who you are is determined by who God says you are. And this is why this is an ambush. Because for many of us, We're so unhappy and we don't realize it. And the reason why we're so unhappy is because we are are placed our identity in what we have. And when that happens, your identity will never be secure because someone always has more. And so you go about living your life and you never feel peace, you always feel anxiety, you always feel that feelings of insecurity because you can never measure up because there's always someone that, that has more. And so you go about your life and you're striving because you're always buying to keep up. And Solomon says, listen, that's an ambush. See, you have bought into a lie that's born in a false identity. Now, the good news is, is that Jesus actually talked about this. Uh, there was one time he, he said this to his disciples. He said this. He said, hey, watch out. Why would he say watch out? Because it's a trap. It's an ambush. He says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, I find this kind of interesting because according to Jesus, there wasn't just one type of greed. There was many different kinds of greed. And then he makes this statement. Life, your life, does not consist in an abundance of possession. Your identity is not determined by what you have. Listen, your identity is way more than that. A few years after this, the Apostle Paul came along, and he took Jesus' words, and uh, he just, he kind of expanded them a bit. And he said them in, in, in his own words, and here's what, here's what Paul says. He said, but godliness with what? Contentment is a great game. And so Paul was like, hey, godliness actually isn't enough. Doing what we know God wants us to do is important, but that, there's not enough. There's got to be more. There's got to be this idea of contentment. And then he gives us some perspective. He says this, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Now, anyone have parents that have ever said that to them before? Any parent here ever say that to your kids? It's like, yeah, you know, you didn't bring anything out of this, and you're not gonna take anything, you know? It's like, well, I'm not gonna be around when, you know, hopefully when I leave, but you know, we say it anyways. And so it's this idea, okay, we didn't bring anything in, we won't take anything out. So in between, we have to learn this idea of contentment and then he says but if we have food and clothing and I think he missed something I think shelter too he missed that one but you know who might have correct Paul but if we have food and clothing we'll be content with that in other words we get to this place where you know what that's enough that's enough and then he continues those who want to get rich they fall into temptation and an ambush and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destination. And the image that Paul is getting here is that it's like this idea, if we start falling off a cliff and we don't even know that we're falling off a cliff. And he says, for the love of money, not for money, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith. And and he's echoing Jesus' words where he says, you can't love both God and money. They have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And I I would bet that we all know people who have destroyed their family, their marriage, even their businesses because of their pursuit of money. And what many of us don't do, many of us don't take the time to look inward, to realize that, Maybe we are actually doing the very, very same thing. And what many of us don't realize is that our marriage problems, our kid issues, our lack of peace and anxiety, the reason that they're there in our life is because we can't be content with what we have and where we are. In fact, there's a name for this, because they have a name for everything nowadays, you know? So there's actually a name for this. Here's what it's called Destination Addiction. (laughs) This addiction, here's what destination addiction is. It is I can only be happy with the next. It's like the next promotion, the next pay raise, the next partner, the next house, the next upgrade, whatever the next may be. And so you just need to realize that if this is you, you will never be happy, never be happy until you get rid of this whole idea of the next. And so if if you follow Jesus and you want to experience the life that Jesus offers us, contentment isn't just something that's important. It's essential. Because in the New Testament, contentment carried this idea of sufficiency. You're enough even without the next. Money guru Dave Ramsey, I love what he says about contentment. He, He says this. He says, content people, don't always have the best of everything, but here's what they do. They make the best of everything. And unless we get to that place, unless we embrace this idea, nothing we buy will ever make us happy. So at the core, discontentment and greed, they're identity issues. And so if you struggle with contentment, which most of us do, here's a question that you you should ask yourself. And most people, they have never asked themselves this question. And that is when you're going to buy something, what are you really trying to buy? What are you really trying to buy? I mean, on the surface, it's the product, but if you get below the surface, you are actually trying to buy something that will improve your identity and you don't even know know it. What are you trying to buy? Maybe you're trying to buy something so you you impress others. Maybe you're trying to buy power and prestige. Maybe you're even trying to buy your way out of loneliness. I love talking to, to high school students and uh, e- even my own high school students, and everybody there wants to have the latest, you know? Everybody does, and so they, they may not even like it, but everybody has it, and so, you know, they, they want it as well, and so if you have a little fun with them, and then you get them to the point where you say, why do you really want that? Here's what they'll say if they're honest. I, I just want to be accepted. And you know what? I can't tell you just the countless purchases I have bought and honestly have regretted. And you know what the bottom line is? Wasn't I really needed them? Wasn't even really wanted them. There was just insecurities in me that drove those purchases. So what we need to do then is we need to develop some action steps that will, will help us change our attitude and will help us give an attitude of contentment. And so I wanna give you a few of these. And then I'm gonna wrap it up by just giving you two challenges by keeping these three things in mind. Okay, so here's some things that'll help us just change our attitude toward an attitude of contentment. Here's just some suggestions for you. I I wanna encourage you to see advertising for what it really is. Every advertisement we see is designed to make us feel like our life is not enough without that product. And so if we don't see behind that, we will constantly fall prey to to advertisement. It's kind of like this. You know, I, I will never look like The Rock, and I want to look like The Rock, you know, if I don't drink this awful-tasting protein shake, you know? I'll, n- I'll just continue to look like I am now. And ladies, you know this. It's like, I'll never look like her. Now, I don't know who her is because I don't keep track of her, but you know who her is, you know? You'll never look like her if you don't wear her clothing line, if you don't wear her perfume line, if you don't wear her jewelry line. Now, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Next time you're watching an advertisement and you just feel yourself getting sucked in, Here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to say this out loud. I'm enough without you. Second suggestion I want to encourage you to do. Never impulse, impulse buy. Now this is why, right here, I don't do the grocery shopping in our house anymore. Now I used to and here, here's what would happen. So my wife, you know, she'd write the list out and all that stuff, and then you know she put like the aisle number in there and all that stuff to kind of help me out, because I'm directionally challenged. And so I go to the store. And then I would find myself seeing things and then I would just kind of get caught up in those things. And so, you know, I'm, I'm pushing the cart around and I'm like, oh my gosh, Tony the Tiger. I haven't seen Tony the Tiger in like 30 years now. But man, that looks good. I need to start eating Frosted Flakes again. And so I would come home with, with Frosted Flakes. And what would happen? My emotion would start to get caught up and as a result, I would start to buy things. And that's what happens with impulse buys. You know, we just emotionally talk ourselves into things. And so here are just a few things that, that we have done that, that have really helped us. In my mind now, we we play by what's called the 24-hour rule, that if we're ready to impulse buy and our emotion is starting to talk us into something, we just give it 24 hours. And if you do that, here's what will happen. Most likely, for us, it's about 99%. Most likely, you won't feel the need to buy it anymore. The other thing that we do is we just, we say we're going to run everything into the ground. Now, I talked, about, I talked about cell phones later. You know, if you have kids, they always want the latest technology. They want the latest phones. Here's what I tell my kids. I always say, if you buy a phone and you run it into the ground and then buy new, guess what you'll have? The latest. And you'll have saved a ton of money. Now, they don't like to hear that, okay? But I just tell it to them, tell it to them. Anyways, so never impulse buy. Final suggestion. Get in the habit of giving things away. Jesus said this, and most of you've heard this. It is more blessed to what? Give than to receive. Now this wasn't just, just some, some, some advice for us. This was deep spiritual truth for us. So get in the habit of giving stuff away. Get in the habit of giving money away. You see, the more generous we are, the more content we will be. The two are very much tied together. Now these are just three things. There's more than three suggestions and these are gonna be up on our social channels uh, if you don't get these. But keeping these three things in mind, I I wanna leave you with two things I want you to do. And these two things are what I call high-level challenges. And the reason that these are high-level challenges is because greed and discontentment, we don't see these in our life. In fact, many of you are kinda going through this message, I don't struggle with this, I don't deal with this, I'm good with this. Listen, we are blind to these things. And so these need to be high level because this needs to expose this ambush in our lives. And so I want to leave you with these two high level challenges. And I hope you do it. Here's the first one. I want you to give away everything in your closet, kitchen, and garage you haven't used in the last year. Now some of you are going, what? I'm like, yeah, that's what I want you to do. And the reason why I want you to do this is because unless you live below the poverty line, I want you to see. Now most of you know this, but you don't see this and feel this. I want you to see that you really do have enough. I actually stumbled across this by accident a few years ago. I walked into my closet and like the clothes rack that my, my, that, that my clothes hang off of, it, all of a sudden one part of it was busted because th- the weight had gotten too much. And so I had an option. I could get a bigger clasp and put it on there, which I can't do, obviously. So uh, that was option number one. Option number two was I actually lessen the weight by getting rid of some of the clothes. And so I, I started to just kind of go through the clothes rack and I'm emptying out clothes that I don't really need and haven't worn in a while. I had a pile up to about here and I was just blown away at the number of clothes that I just didn't need anymore that could have been given away to other people. And then the next year we did our basement and I was surprised at the amount of stuff there. And then we did our garage And so we've been doing this every year. Now, next year, I I, kind of have this rotation of shoes, running shoes and all this stuff. I'm going like, why do I have all these shoes here? And they're taking up all the space and there are people in the world that need shoes. And so we've just started to do this and it was difficult at first and it's gotten easier and here's what's happened. We've experienced more freedom because we've realized there's so much stuff we don't need and at the same time, we've started to experience more contentment in our lives. And so I want to encourage you to do this. And I realize some of you, you have dynamics in your house where like some of you are savers and some of you are senders, okay? And so this is gonna create some dynamic, but listen, just have the conversation and meet each other in the middle somewhere. This might be for some of you the most transformative thing you do this year. Second thing I, I wanna challenge you to do. I want you to take one week or one month, all depends on if you're a high achiever, okay? and then take a discretionary spending fast. And some of you are like, okay, whoa, 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 what's that, what's that? Unless it's food or drink or something you need, you don't get it. Yeah, but I want, no, no wants for at least one week. Some of you are like, okay, Mark, <laughs> are you saying that, that I have to take a week off of Amazon? That's exactly what I'm saying. And here's what I'm gonna tell you in advance, you'll survive. And guess what? They'll survive without you too. And why do I want you to do that? Because I want you to begin to starve that monster inside of you. That I want Moorish monster. Now, I'll be honest with you. We, we've never done this before, Don and I. And so this is going to be some interesting conversation in, in our household. And you know what? I, I hope that once again, this might be challenging based on the dynamic of your household, but I pray once again that, that you would just wrestle with the tension of the conversation and invite God into this whole process and just see what God does as you do this. So two challenges, high level challenges, and listen, you can do these challenges, we can do these challenges, and we need to do these challenges because contentment is something that we learn. And I tell you what, this is a very hard thing to learn, but as I always say to my kids, choose your heart. And the other option, is you just kind of live your life acting as if nothing's wrong until one day you wake up and you realize you've been ambushed the entire time. And that is time and money you can't get back. That to me is that to me is a harder heart. This heart that I'm talking about might be a bit hard up front, but there's a benefit to this one. Listen, you'll have less, and you don't even need you can make a difference with the less that you have, you'll feel freer. And in the process, you will begin to experience contentment. And so would you be willing to take the step and begin to embrace the attitude of contentment and not be willing to fall prey to an ambush that you might be setting for yourself? Let me pray for us. Father, um, as we we talk about this whole idea of a self-inflicted, a self-set ambush, that's not something that we really think about. And when it comes to greed, I, I think our initial, initial reaction is, well, that's not me. I don't deal with that. But God, that's what makes it the ambush. It's so sneaky and we're so blinded to it. And so Father, I, I just pray that we'd have open hearts and even if we don't feel like we need this, I pray we'd be willing to step into these challenges. And uh, we would just kind of go through our stuff and give stuff away. pray that we'd be willing to just go on a discretionary fast. And God, just really to see what you do As we kind of step in this, we want to have this attitude of contentment. And uh, so, Father, you want us to have this attitude of contentment, but it's not something we can just pray into our lives. It's something that we step into our lives. And so may we do that. May you continue to really just do something in us to get us to this place of contentment. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Churches podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.